I know, I know sometimes, I, I said it this morning, but you know, sometimes you feel a little gentle pressure. I know in times past, we've had events on Sunday night, Memorial Day weekend, and I'm not saying we won't do those again, but sometimes you feel that gentle pressure, not from a lot, but from some, just to cancel church, let's go ahead and get into the weekend. But my goodness, We've got so many holidays to contend with anymore. M Mother's Day is not a church day anymore. To turn that into a family holiday. And then Easter is not a church day anymore. That's, that's a family holiday. And then spring break is before that. We just went through however many uh, months of COVID. And, um, and then we have summer now that's upon us. School's out. And... So we have summer break and all that. We get into moving and canceling service for every little thing that comes along. We'll never have church. And Sunday night's not going away. So if you don't like Sunday night, Sunday... This is not my message, but Sunday is the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. It's just put me in a sanctuary all day long. All day long. I'm not, I'm not looking to get my church out of the way so I can get to the rest of my day. Sunday is the Lord's Day. Belongs to Him. First day of the week, seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So no, no better way to put him first than to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. And I, I was just raised to be in church at least twice on Sundays. I have enjoyed for years being in church three times on Sunday. And there were a couple of years there where a good number of us did four services on Sunday. And it was never too much. Um, it just, uh, I love the Lord and I love I love the church. I love the people of God. I love being in the house of God. I give honor tonight to, to our, our great ministry team to my left and your right. You don't, you don't just need a man of God in your life. You need a pastor. You need a pastor. You got to have somebody that has veto power in your life. And can see what you don't see. The watchman on the wall. Someone that is looking out in the distance. That doesn't have a dog in the fight. That protects you with complete objectivity. Amen. Knowing that they will give an account for your soul. They will give an account for your soul. And I, I give honor to my my bishop and other elders in my life and I'm so thankful for that covering and for that protection and that encouragement. There's days I feel like I can do nothing right and I call my bishop and it just I just feel lifted when I hear his voice. Sometimes I don't even talk to him about the season that I'm in or the day I'm having or the week that I'm having. I just call to hear his voice. And I'm so thankful for, for him, and he will be here in July. And as I have uh, announced, uh, but I can't remember what service I announced it in, Brother Kenneth Stewart will be here um, the last Sunday in June, and we are looking forward to him being with us. He is the promotions director in St. Louis at our headquarters for the North American Missions um, Department. And he is in that position because of the things that God used him to do um, in casting vision and putting legs to the planting of churches in uh, the state of Florida. And um, he, he is... He's a church planter. He loves church planters. He loves missions. He's a man of God. He's a great preacher, and and uh, he's a man of passion. You'll you'll see. He just, I mean, he just exudes passion 
He doesn't do anything without doing it um, intense. So you don't want to miss that Sunday. That's the last Sunday in June. Amen. I want to turn your attention tonight. If I could just preach or talk or chat for a little while here. I have some things that I believe the Lord would like to share with us tonight out of Genesis chapter 9 and verses 19 through 21. If you're joining us online, we welcome you and we thank you and we not only say to people in the building, but people watching online, if you would help us by sharing our live stream. We are not looking to be popular or to get the most likes or shares or followers. We're, we are just trying to get the gospel out to the four corners of the world. If you would help us with that, and we have a YouTube channel, and subscribe and like and some views would help us with that. And we believe that it would be a tremendous blessing to you as well. Genesis 9 and verse 19. Uh, let, let me go with verse 20. Verses 20 and 21. Noah began to be a husbandman. And he planted a vineyard. Noah began to be a husbandman. And he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine. And was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. He drank of the wine and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. I want to talk to you tonight about the balance of power. The balance of power. Would you pray with me right now? God, I thank you for the people that are in this place. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and I pray that you give us ears to hear on this Sunday night on a holiday weekend thankful for the great host of people that are here tonight full house and I pray that you'd be with us and help us not to just have church tonight but let there be something deeply imparted into our spirit in the name of the Lord God, we pray right now, let your spirit, let your prophetic anointing be in this place. Let it move upon the hearts of every here tonight. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The study of creation is, is very intriguing. You can study it. For years, and yet there continues to be the unfolding revelation of everything that is contained just in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. And I, I have said many times that Genesis is my favorite book in the Bible. I heard some others talking about that as well. And everything you need to know about God and eternity and creation, this life and the life becomes to come is found in seed form in the book of Genesis. And when you look at creation, you will find that there are four elements of creation, only four. Four is the number of creation, and those four elements are earth, water, air, and fire. Earth, water, air, and fire. What is unique about that is that one will never become the other. Divine law establishes the boundary between them. Water can cover land, but, but yet land still exists, and it always will. Water cannot get rid of land. Water is not land, and land is not water. The air... Is, is over the water, and yet the water still exists, and rain falls through the air, and yet it does not absorb the air. When the rain is done falling, the air is still there. Water can put out fire, and yet 
fire exists. If this building catches on fire, the fire department can come. They can put out the fire in this building, but you'll never get rid of fire because it is one of the four elements of creation. And of course, these elements were created by God. They, they form a system, a, a place of order. They, they form atmospheres and habitats for the existence of everything that God created to live and exist in the earth. We see the birds of the air use the air as a portion of their habitat. The fish, the giant whales and mammals of the sea use the water as their habitat. And of course, the beasts of the field, they are the land animals, even though there are some amphibious animals out there that operate in more than one Environment, And then there is fire that is used for many, many things. We see a, a distinction between plants and animals. Animals are mobile and they gain strength by their mobility. Plants are stationary and they gain their strength by being stationary. The longer that they are stationary, the more time and space the root system has the ability to spread out and go deeper and to get intertwined with the soil, and it provides stability. Plants can be transplanted. They can be moved, but they cannot move themselves. And so divine law establishes itself as a boundary to all these elements like, like vowels and consonants. A vowel is never going to be a consonant, and a consonant is never going to be a vowel. And we also see this in the dimension of music. Music, you'll never get lower than an A flat. You'll never get higher than a G. It becomes the next G sharp. It becomes, it becomes an A flat. A flat, A, B flat, B, C, C sharp, D, E flat, E, F, F sharp, G. This sequence of these letters that define music are part of the same thing as vowels and consonants and the, the land, the air, the water, and the fire. They provide harmony in the universe, and it is indeed orchestrated by the great architect. It is this harmonious concert, the ebb and flow of life. As a woman's body in pregnancy produces the sustainable nutrients for her baby that is in the womb before it's born and after it's born, it is able to sustain the nutrients that form during pregnancy in the mother's body are able to sustain the life of the baby until the baby is able to uh, eat solid food. And we see this with the land and the sea and other elements of the earth, the land uh, there is is sustaining it it sustains itself the plant life reproduces itself it provides things and nutrients for the animals god made everything in creation to be self-sustaining and ever perpetuating and so um even, even though this this whole universe and everything that was created was created in 7 days God put within everything the ability to reproduce and recycle and replenish and sustain itself. Everything in creation is a miracle. We, we look at these seven days and we understand, well, that's a miracle. God created the heavens and the earth and God put the, the, the sun, moon, and the stars in the sky. That's a miracle. But the miracle did not stop with the seven days of creation. This cycle, these laws, these Rules, these, the ebb and flow of life, the harmony of life that we function within bring us to a place to understand the miraculous power of God. God calls the plants to grow with their heads downward. That's not the feet of the, of the plants in the ground. That's the head. And the roots grow out of the head. They, they grow downward. But with the animals, he did it backwards. He put the feet under the head. And the animals lift their head and they, they use it for sight and protection and, and to, to find their prey and to find their food and so forth. These things will never 
be reversed. And then in the middle of all of this, you have man. And man is the only creature that is both terrestrial and celestial at the same time. Man is both spirit and body. He is both carnal and spiritual. He is of the earth earthy, but he also has the ability to ascend into things that are heavenly. And we are, we are formed in the image of God, of this divine and invisible God as a coin that is stamped with the seal of God and the impression of the eternal word, the logos, with which we were created from. We are the express image of God. And in us, there is something that is God-like, but in this flesh, we battle with the elements of the terrestrial. Are you here tonight? Now, we, we see when Moses comes along that, that God summons Moses up. He tells him to come up, and, and he becomes the steward of these, these sacred mysteries of God that are revealed upon the top of Mount Sinai. He, he tells him, I've got to pull you out of the plane of the terrestrial, and I've got to take you up as high as I can get you in this world. And then I'm going to surround the mountain, and I'm going to bring the dimension of heaven down on that mountain. I've got to get you to ascend so that I can show you the mysteries of God. And so he is, he is called up. And that is the goal of God with every single one of us. He is trying to get us to, to be called up. He's trying to get us up off out of the dimension of the terrestrial. We, we can't help with gravity. We, we cannot leave this earth just by levitating or flying up in the earth or something. You know, we get a rocket ship. But we can't do it by ourselves. But, but in the spirit, on the inside of us, there is something that he says, I need you to go up higher. And so anytime that God is revealing something divine or from heaven, most of the time you will find that he calls somebody up. He called Moses up to the top of Mount Sinai. He found, he found Elijah in a cave at the same mountain revealing the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was called up into a high mountain apart. It is indicative of God's desire for man to come up. And in this process, Moses being called up to the mountain to see the, the real mysteries of God. There was a man by the name of Bezalel as well that was called up by God, but not as high as Moses. And he told Moses, he said, I have put in Bezalel the giftings and the things to build my tabernacle, to create the furniture, to, to create a house for my glory to dwell among my people. And I need him to be called up now. I need him to come up as near to this heavenly dimension as I can get him because I'm going to give him dimensions and I'm, I'm going to give him sizings and, and the acacia wood and overlaid in gold and made of brass and this size. And it has to look like this. And, and people, if they were asking Bezalel, why, why, why does this box have to, why the cherubims on the top? Why the pot of manna on the inside? Why the the rod on the inside. Why the tables uh, and all that? Why, why, is all, why does the altar of incense? I don't know, but that's the way the great architect told me to do it. And Bezalel's name means in the shadow. And so he was not only living under the shadow of the Almighty, but he was working in the shadows of God. He was not going to see the exact representation of the mysteries of God. That was for Moses. But Moses had already been through his preparation period. Moses had been preparing for the last 80 years to prepare, to be called up into that place to see things that nobody in his generation had ever seen. But Bezalel did not get to go up that high. God got him up as high as he could. And he said, I'm going to release some giftings in you. And your giftings are going to be used to build a house for my namesake. And for you, you may not understand why everything has to be the way that it is because you're only working in shadows. And many times we find ourselves in a place desiring and seeking the great mysteries of God. But the only place that we can get up into is a, is a place where God says, I'm going to give you some instruction. 
and I'm going to give you some blueprints, and I, I'm going to tell you to do some things, and if you'll follow my instruction, my glory will come dwell among my people. But we don't really understand it because we are working in the shadows. But at some point... It is God's desire to bring us beyond the dimension of working in the shadows and give us the awesome and pure revelation of truly who he is. Am I making sense tonight? And so until we can get to that place, we, we work in the shadows. God tells us to do things we don't even understand. Now in all of this creation, God took some things and and he put in man. It wasn't, we weren't just a ball of dirt with breath. He, he put things in us like perception and comprehension and memory and knowledge and the ability to, to have firm knowledge of the things here in this earth and in the life to come as revelation would be given. And, and so these things are, are implanted in us by God. That you can't get them from anywhere else. You can't go down to the store and buy comprehension. You, you can't go down there and buy some memory or, or some knowledge or some perception of something like that. And so you are a miraculous creature. And these, these things that we take for granted every single day, they are there since the beginning of time because God put in man along with the rest of creation the ability to perpetuate and to grow and to multiply and to replenish and to reproduce. You are a miraculous creature. Now all of these, all of these together done by the architect, the, the uncreated God who was not only made, he made us originally, but he implants all of these things into individual man. Now, we have to go back. If we're talking about creation, we have to go back to the Garden of Eden. And we have to talk about that place that God put man in the garden there. The Bible called it paradise. He put him in a place of paradise. And the Bible said in the garden that there was every tree in the garden was good for food. And it was pleasant to the eyes. But in the midst of the garden, there were two trees that were not necessarily good for the physical man, but they were good for the spiritual man. And one would be unto life, that was the tree of life, and the other would be unto corruption, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so knowledge of good and evil comes through disobedience, and the tree of life comes with divine revelation. It is literally the Logos. And so you're either going to live by the Logos of God and the knowledge and the revelation of the perception of God or you are going to live by the fruits and partake of the fruits of disobedience and live by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They represent the two natures of man. In this place tonight are people that want to do good, but when they do, evil is present with them. They, they want to be spiritual, but, but all the while there is this terrestrial gravity that holds us on the ground because we are forced to operate within the confines of nature. I want to just go ahead and tell you tonight, there is a dimension beyond the place we are living in right now where everything that, it, that the word speaks and everything that we have hoped for and everything that we have believed for is going to come to pass God is preparing himself a bride and a people for his namesake. Clap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Now, in that garden, God put man in the garden, but that wasn't his end objective. His objective was to put the garden in man. He was not just wanting to put man in paradise. He was wanting to put paradise on the inside of man. Jesus said, in that day, you shall be in me and I in you. There is something that the Lord wants to flip when it comes to creation to move us from the natural world into the spiritual world. The Bible said he planted a garden. I'm talking about Noah who began to be a husbandman and planted a vineyard. But when you go backwards to the creation, God planted a garden eastward in Eden. The word Eden there means delight and it is an emblem of the soul to, for the things that God wants to do for us. Amen. The Bible said 
uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and day and night. So the logos, the law, the word, amen, is paradise in you. God was never just trying to give man an environment to live in. He was trying to teach man about the environment that would live on the inside of him. Amen. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. God is trying to take us to a place of delight where we find joy only in him, not the things of this world. Where we find joy only in the operation of the Spirit, not in the confines of the four creatures of creation. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Now we are, we are stuck as it would. We are stuck as it would be in creation. We are forced to operate in the confines of land and air and water and fire. You're not going to change those elements. But those, element, element, uh, those elements are perfection. They are the perfection of God in creation. Despite its fallen nature, the creation that God created is perfect. The Bible said when he got done with it, he looked at everything and he said, the Lord said that it was good. He saw that it was good. When you were created, he saw that you were good. When you were a little baby in your mother's womb, before you were a thought in your mother and father, before you entered your mother's womb, God looked at you and saw that it was good. And sin mars the goodness that God creates in all of us. But the Lord said, if you'll give me half a chance, I am going to take you to a place that is before creation. It precedes creation. I'm going to take you back past the garden I'm going to move you back into eternity past but to you it'll be eternity future I'm going to reverse the clock now we're talking about fruit Noah Noah had a problem he began to be a husbandman the husbandman is someone that's experienced in planting vineyards and dealing with the wine and all of that, but the problem with Noah, and I want you to think about this. Noah spends over 100 years building an ark. He knows that gloom and doom is coming to this earth. He, he, is, he is anxiously trying to get this project done, and in the middle of it all, he's holding a revival, telling people, rain is coming. you gotta get on the book. Uh, got to get on the boat. There is something coming. There is a deluge that is coming. Destruction is coming. And I want, to think, I want you to think about the relief that Noah had when he got his family on the boat. And he is stuck for 120 days in this, in this vessel that has every stinking species on planet earth. Don't you know he was glad to get off of there? He gets off of there and he makes a sacrifice and somewhere in time, he began to be a husbandman. But just like the fall in the Garden of Eden, they fell. They partook of the forbidden fruit. They were expelled from the garden. Noah was guilty of getting drunk on his own success. He planted a vineyard. And he began to partake and overindulge himself of the wine that was produced from the vineyard. Are you here tonight? And so he became intoxicated on what he was able to produce. That was not going to be the end of the story. Noah was a type of Christ. And when Jesus comes along in the New Testament, he tells a story about God planting a vineyard. And he said, he is the husbandman. And in the vineyard, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he began to talk about a vineyard and a garden that would be planted not only around man, but in man, that out of him would flow new wine. That there would be something that God would be able to do that would be so miraculous uh, that it would take them beyond the confines uh, of the laws of nature into the divine laws of heaven itself. And so Jesus talked about his fruit. His fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith, 
He said, against such there is no law. This fruit defies the laws. It defies every law. It's bigger than the law. And this fruit was not something that God created. This was not part of creation. These nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit was not part of creation like like the earth and the water and the air and the fire. These things preceded creation because they are part of the nature of God. And he said, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that I can put my nature in you because I'm not trying to put you in paradise. I'm trying to put paradise in you. I'm trying to get you to produce something that you can't get drunk on except by my spirit. It has nothing to do with you. And it is a miracle that only God can perform. They they existed before creation. And so they're not like the earth, the water, the air, the fire. God planted this garden. Noah planted this vineyard. How many times have we have we got to a place where we're, we're working, we're planting, we're tilling, we're we're cultivating, we're fertilizing, we are we are working, we are trying to succeed, we are we're trying to get ahead, we're trying to grow, we're trying to impress somebody, we're trying to get to the next the next rung on the ladder, we're trying to get a bigger house, we're trying to make more friends, we are we are trying to make, and God put in you the ability to plant a vineyard like that, but you better be careful about getting drunk on your own success and forgetting about the main vine in the vineyard. This is not something that you can do. It's only a work of the Holy Ghost that can happen on the inside of you. When we come to the house of the Lord, uh, we're not coming to just go through the exercises. Uh, We're not trying to operate within the confines of nature. We're trying to get from the terrestrial up to Mount Zion. Uh, We're trying to get in the spirit, uh, in the dimension of the celestial. I wish somebody believed me here tonight. God uh, is planting a vineyard on the inside of you uh, and something is going to flow out of you uh, that is going to minister to everybody around you. Now if we go back to the garden in the midst of the garden in the midst of the garden were these two trees the two trees the nature the nature of man. God is dealing with the nature of man. God's dealing with your nature the laws of nature We have to operate within the laws of nature. Stay with me. We're headed somewhere. Because that's what he uses to work with your nature. He's trying to change your nature from a sinful nature to a godly nature. And to do that, you have to have the key and the understanding of what it means to be successful in God's garden. And you're either going to operate and eat the fruit of disobedience or you're going to operate by God's daily infusion of the Logos in your life. I need a word from the Lord. When I wake up, I need a word from the Lord. I I need him to order my steps. I need him to help me to have spiritual thoughts. Well, nobody's that spiritual. I know, but you got to. You gotta strive for the master. You gotta press for the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You gotta understand that part of you where Paul said, When I would do good, evil is present with me. I got two natures. I got a beastly nature and I've got a heavenly nature and I gotta keep myself in the presence of God every chance I get. That's why we don't cancel church. That's why we don't shut the doors of the church. That's why we have prayer. That's why we gotta be together. That's why we have small group because they're beasts on the inside wants to growl and it wants to live and have its way and get drunk on its own success but somebody's going to say I'm a branch in the only vine it's the true vine and out of him comes the nutrients of sustainability of my spiritual man somebody praise him right now we're headed somewhere Now, in Exodus chapter 15, the Bible said, Thou shalt not bring them. I just said, Thou shalt, thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of that inheritance. 
in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. He's king. He's the Lord of the vineyard. You got to put him as king in your life. He's king over your relationships. He's king over your finances. He's the king over your marriage. You, you, you got to let him be king. A king has need of nothing but everything which is subject to the king is inevitably in need of the king. I need the king tonight. I, I can't live without what comes from his throne. I, I can't live with what comes out of his mouth. I, I need the scepter to fall upon my life. I need his kingship. I, I need here you remain seated. I, I need his rulership. I need his dominion. I need his authority in every area of my life. I need the king to take dominion over my sorry flesh. And I need him to let his anointing and his authority flow out of my life. Now, this scripture seems a little strange to me and I was kind of wondering uh, where, where it all fit, but I think I know at this very moment. But in Deuteronomy 32, I'm going to read it out of tra three translations because it gets lost in the KJV. But he said, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance. Listen, when he divided to the nations... He's not talking about Israel. He's talking about the world. When he divided to the nations their inheritance. Russia, you can have this. Tubal, you can have this. Turkey, you can have this. China, you can have this. It was decided ahead of time. When he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, if you read it in the Living Bible, it says this. When God divided up the world among the nations, he gave each of them a supervising angel. And the New Living Translation said, When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. Heaven was not formed for the earth. The earth was formed for heaven, for there to be a breeding ground and a proving ground for what would one day populate heaven. And he said, I'm not going to just put arbitrary boundaries out there. I'm not going to just draw lines of countries and nations and states. I'm going to spread out my angels across the earth. I'm going to disperse my angelic host and heavenly court across the earth, and I'm going to put an angel over every nation. I'm going to let heaven supervise my creation. We talk about the prince of the power of the air, but you ain't seen nothing till you've seen heaven's army. We talk about the rulers of the darkness of this world, but heaven's got an army over every nation and it's coming honey revival is coming to every nation God has got himself a church and he's working on the church and he's put paradise in the church and he is trying to get us to move beyond the terrestrial now Elijah Elijah asked this to the prophets of Baal. Are you with me? Elijah asked this to the prophets of Baal. Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? That's a way of saying, Make up your mind which side of this thing you're going to be on. You live in Israel. But you follow the voices of false prophets. How long halts you between two opinions? There's a constant tug of war 
that's going on. Are you here? It's a constant tug of war that's going on between the flesh and the spirit. Between the spirit of Jacob and the spirit of Esau. Jacob hungered for the food of the soul. But Esau hungered for the food of the body. One serves the flesh and the other serves the spirit. The Bible said that when Isaac was passing the birthright to Jacob, he thought it was Esau. But Esau was out gathering the goods. He was going to bring it back in. And the Bible said when Jacob went out, Esau came in. When Jacob went out, Esau came in. That's the story of your life. Every time Jacob goes out, Esau's going to come in. Every time the part of you that has the birthright goes out, gets out of place, gets out of balance, tries to exceed the divine laws at God's place, goes rogue, tries to do it herself, Esau is going to come in. You better be careful about the spirit of Esau because the spirit of Esau is bitter. The spirit of Esau is always angry because it didn't get its way. The spirit of Esau is always trying to manipulate its way into the anointing and the things of God. Amen. You got to be careful about those two natures on the inside of you. Now, in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 23, the Bible said, when you shall come into the land. They're about to go into the land of Canaan. Are you still here? Have I lost you? Am I making sense? Have I confused anybody? Thank you, Martel. He said, when you come into the land and shall have planted all manner of trees for food. He didn't, he's not talking about the trees that were there when they got there. He said, when you come into the land and you have planted trees for food, then you shall count the fruit thereof uncircumcised. When you plant it in the soil of that nation, it's going to be uncircumcised. Three years shall it be uncircumcised unto you. It shall not be eaten of. I'm about to give you a powerful principle in the scripture. Timing is everything. And there is a reason why spans of time pass before we take partake of the fruit that we believe is ours. We can see the fruit on the end of the limb just like Adam and Eve could see it in the garden. And everything in us wants to reach up and pluck that fruit. But God says, no, 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 not yet. Because it's not time. I am circumcising some things. And until I get done cutting away some things, shaving off some things, shaping some things up, and forming some things, you are planting that in contaminated soil. And I am dealing with the soil of the nation. What is happening in our city, the devil really has not even seen the beginning of it. All the time that the Lord has been working on the soil, we've seen a little bit about what God can do. But when it it happens God is going to make it holy and the fruit that we could not partake of we're going to partake of be seated now he said but in the fourth year everybody say the fourth year four is the number of creation the four winds of the earth the four corners of heaven the four corners of the altar four is the number of balance he said, in the fourth year, all the fruit thereof shall be holy. It's the same fruit that was there in year one, year two, and year three. But now it's holy because I've made it holy. Are you here? Are you awake? And he said, I made it holy. It shall be holy to praise God. Praise the Lord with all. And in the fifth year, Ye eat of, shall you eat of the fruit thereof that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. 
Now, obviously, they're in the wilderness. They've not even planted one tree yet. They can't even plant a tree until they get into the promised land. There's a certain place that you have to get to before you can even plant what is going to be there for the rest of time to sustain you. And so they had to wait till they got there. God was saying, I don't want you eating things that are coming from contaminated soil. And so the Lord works on the atmosphere. He works on the soil. He works on the foundation. Now, you cannot purify fruit from an unclean tree. In the New Testament, James said bitter, and, and bitter water and sweet water could not flow out of the same fountain. We, we've got to make sure that there is a purification process that is happening and that the Lord is making us holy so that we can produce the fruit that God wants us to produce. Every tree was good for food, but those in the midst of the garden were good for the soul, one of corruption and one unto life. Now, the most ancient of all square numbers is found to exist in right angles, right angles, perfection of angles as the figure of a square in geometry. The square is a picture of perfection. It's a, it's a picture of all. The right angles are manifest examples of correctness and reason. Don't lose me here. And right reason is an everlasting fountain of virtues. It comes from the presence of God. It is not a part of creation. It follows, therefore, of necessity that the sides of a square must be all equal to one another. And equality is the parent of justice, which is the ruler of all virtues. Four is the symbol of equality and the symbol of justice and of all virtue beyond any other number. And the nickname for the number four is all. The Lord is trying to become all and in all in our lives. He is trying to get us leveled out and balanced out. He's trying to refine the corners of our lives. Don't lose me right here. We have primary numbers of 1 through 10, and on the primary number line, 1 through 10, the number 4 includes the numbers leading up to 4 and the numbers after 4. 1, 2, 3, 4. 2 and 3 or 5. 1, 2 and 3 or 6. 3 and 4 or 7. 1, 3 and 4 or 8. 2, 3 and 4 or 9. And 1, 2, 3 and 4 or 10. These numbers add together, and 4 is right at the center of it. That means to your past and to your future. The Lord is trying to level your life out. He's trying to balance your life out. He's trying to level up the corners. He's trying to cut off the rough edges. I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching to somebody that's wondering where in the world is my fruit? Where in the world is my blessing? Where in the world is my anointing? And it's coming. But the Lord right now is working on us inside of the divine laws of nature. And he is getting us to a place where we can move from the terrestrial realm into the spiritual realm. God is calling somebody up to Mount Sinai so that he can bring the dimension of heaven down on top of the mount and say, let me show you the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Paul said, I, I was called up into the third heaven and I saw things that were not even lawful to utter. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. The Lord's working on you because he is trying to give you the balance of power. He's trying to put power on your life. Cap your hands unto the Lord and give him praise. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Be seated. It's the perfecting. It's the equalization of holiness. When our lives are leveled, they're squared up with God so that we can truly partake in the fifth year or 
The fifth dimension, five, is the number of the senses. It's when you finally get dominion over the five senses. The five senses, taste, sight, touch, hearing, so forth, taste, whatever, whatever the other one is. When you get dominion over those senses that are deceiving you, those senses that tell you that will never happen, those senses that tell you, I feel like I'm healed, but I still have pain in my body. I don't know if the Lord did it. The senses that deceive you, the, the senses of the terrestrial dimension that, that deceive you. Well, God's got an answer for that dimension as well. It's called the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the edification of the body of Christ. You look at the children in the line of Leah, the fourth son was Judah. And that's when God made the lineage holy and praise come out of her. For she said, now I will praise the Lord. There is a praise that's going to come out of you when you realize that God has squared your life up. He's equaled your life out. He has set you up for the blessings and the fruit that he, am I preaching to anybody here tonight? Well, praise is coming. Praise is coming. This stuff we've been doing is good, but real praise is coming. Perfected praise is coming from the spiritual man, not from a carnal man, not from people that eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but from those that are consumed by the Logos. And the word is exploding out of you, and new wine is coming out of you. There's a dimension of praise that God wants to take us to. And if you're going to talk about the fourth son, you got to talk about the fifth son because his name was Issachar who had understanding of the times uh, to tell Israel what they ought to do. And so the fifth, the fifth year, the fifth dimension uh, is where revelation comes uh, and understanding comes uh, and the prophetic operates. Uh, I don't know why my prayer has more power today uh, than it did six months ago. That's easy. God leveled your life out. Uh, you measured up uh, to what he's been trying uh, to create he's trying to plant a vineyard on the inside of you don't get drunk on your own success and wind up naked I wish somebody would praise him right now God have mercy. Stand with me. He was a husbandman. He was not a tiller of the ground. Noah, even in his failure, was a husbandman. Cain was a tiller of the ground. There's a difference. It's the difference in a shepherd and a keeper of the sheep. A keeper of the sheep is a hireling. He does it for wages. But a shepherd does it because he loves the sheep. When you talk about saints of God, there's a difference between the wheat and the tares. They look the same until the time of harvest. And I'm telling you, harvest is coming. That's why there's some things being exposed in the field that we couldn't see any other time. They look just like us. They sound like us. They sing like us. They pray like us. But all of a sudden, the ears of the ripened church and the ripened harvest of the world begin to come up on the wheat and the tares are standing there with their rigid, obstinate, cane-like spirit and a spirit of Esau. I don't have time to talk about the difference between the carnal and the spiritual. You've got to decide which one you're going to live by. You're going to decide which we're going to. If you complain about prayer meetings, that ought to tell you something. If you complain about long preaching, that ought to tell you something. If you complain about too much church, that ought to tell you something. If you disconnect from the body of Christ... That might tell you something, but if there's something in you that says, I can't get enough of him, I got to get back to the altar. I got to get back to the feet of the cross. I got to get out of this dimension. I got to go to the top of the mountain. My God, have mercy. There's so much anointing in here. I know we got Memorial Day tomorrow. 
Let me tell you something. I don't know when Jesus is coming back. But there's only one legacy I want to leave. I want to leave my root system. If you go out into the wilderness and out into the forest, if a plant dies, ain't nobody coming along to pluck it up by the roots. It's going to die and wither on top of the ground, but the roots are still going to be alive. Because God put that in nature to continue to perpetuate even after that which was dead keeps on giving to the next generation. The animals that live in the soil and the plants that are around the dead animal that God left the root system for there. He said, I know above surface the body is gone, but underneath uh, there's nutrition. And I'm leaving this to nourish and to replenish and to multiply the people that are left behind. There's only one legacy I want to leave. I want to lead to my kids. I want to lead to my grandkids. A root system that says, in the root system uh, everything you need is there oh my god have mercy somebody you talk about a memorial I want to leave a memorial of praise I want to leave a memorial of prayer I want to leave something for the next generation this world is not my home I'm just passing through. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him. Oh, somebody ought to praise him. Say what I do. If I were you, I'd get out of that seat and I would come down to this altar. And I would say, God, work on me. Circumcise my spirit. Cut things out of my heart. I want to be like you, Father. Cut things out of my spirit that don't belong, God. I want to make sure that I don't just look at the fruit, but that my fruit is made holy. Well, come on, somebody pray it right now. Work on me, 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 work on me. This ain't really a shouting message, but you can shout if you want to. I come to preach deep in your spirit tonight and tell you right now that God is planting a vineyard in you. God is developing something in you. God has put a garden in your life. God has connected you to the true vine. Come on, that's it. I want you to cry out to him. And I want you to say, God, I'm submitting this carnal man to the spiritual man. I want to be like you. I want to be made holy. I want your blessings on my life. In the name of the Lord, I won't touch the fruit. I won't put my hands on the fruit until you have finished cleansing my life. Whoa, My God, have mercy. Come on, come on, on a Sunday night. We're gonna barbecue tomorrow. But on Sunday night right now, the searchlight is on. The Spirit of the Lord's moving through this building. God, I need you to balance my life out so that I can have the demonstration of your power. It's the balance of power. I want you, Lord, to establish me and my going in and my coming out. Establish me in all my ways. This will be a good time to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say, God, I'm not going to be a pretender. I'm not going to live like Esau and expect the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. I need the spirit of Jacob to get a hold of me.
your healing is in this place. Your deliverance is in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Your future is secure in Him. We are complete in Him. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name, God. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. God is perfecting something in you. God is purging things out of you. Come on, Judah. The, the anointing, the spirit of Judah is coming on your life. Let the Holy Ghost fall on you right now. We're not marking time. I want you to let the Lord of the vineyard reach down into your life and deal. Deal with the uncircumcised areas of your life. In the name of the Lord, I'm telling you, greater faith at large has not even begun to see the blessings that God has for his people. This city has not even begun to see the fruit and the wine that's going to flow out of these vineyards. Oh, hallelujah, that have been planted around this metro area. Oh, hallelujah, it's coming out of your house. It's coming out of your lineage, your family. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Somebody tell the Lord, Lord, put heaven's level on my life. Put the square on my life. Oh, hallelujah. Put it on my life, God. Make sure the edges are straight. Make sure the corners are crisp. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, I, I feel, I feel the Spirit of the Lord transforming somebody. Oh God, transfigure us. Transform us. Take us, Lord, through our metamorphosis. In Jesus' name. Somebody pray this. Let your words be in my mouth, Father. Let your words be in my ear, Father. Speak into my ear. Let the Logos flow out of my life. Let the thought, the plan, and the word of God flow out of my spirit. In Jesus' name. Kelamanda Rebesete Candela Mosia Carandela Mosia Kiandela Mosikea Handela Mosikea Taya. Come on, I want you to pray in the Spirit. Let the Spirit pray now. In Jesus' name. Oh God, I pray that the circumcision of the heart would happen. 
Anything that people struggle with in this place, arrogance and pride, carnality, unbelief, in the name of Jesus, iniquity, perversion. Oh, Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit, dear Lord. Oh, God, make me, shape me, form me. Hallelujah. Keep me on the potter's wheel. Come on. The carnal mind is enmity against God, neither can it please Him. They that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. Oh, hallelujah. Vines in the vineyard become intertwined with one another until you can't hardly see the difference between one vine and the other vine. I want you to make a connection with somebody in the vineyard right now. Somebody across from you, somebody down the line from you, I want you to make a connection. And let what's in you flow through you. Let it flow out of you into the next person and so on. In the name of Jesus, oh God, help us, Lord. As greater faith, as a main campus, as Hope and LC, in the name of Jesus, as, as Jeff, campus God, help us not to get intoxicated on the wine of our own vineyard, lest we wind up naked and rejected. Lord, let it flow, let it flow. I speak over your life, I speak over it, I speak over it, I speak over your life. Put us in lockstep with you. Put it in timing with you, Lord. My God. 